again. Good morning, Barry staff. This is Mr. Peterson here with another episode of Bridge Builder, building relationships between teachers and students. Today I have Ms. Ward with me, and we're going to be talking about getting to know and stay informed about your students. So you already know something about them. Now what? You already started building that relationship with your students at the beginning of the year. Now, how do we dig a little deeper in getting to know your students? So, Ms. Ward, how are you doing today? I'm doing good in yourself. I'm doing great. Thank you for being here in this episode of Bridge Builders. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So, now what? What do we do after we start building that relationship with students? So, in my readings, I have been doing a lot of investigating um, regarding culture and climate and how we have to involve our students intentionally to make sure that they feel that they are a part of what we have going on. And like you said, we've already started building those relationships. So teachers are already giving students leadership roles. They're giving um, students opportunities to share things that go on. Teachers are already going to basketball games. They went to football games. Um, We even have teachers that give up their free time and sit in the cafeteria with students during lunch just to continue to build those relationships. Yes, that's very important that we start building those relationships because you already know you should by this time know what their favorite subject, what extracurricular activities they're involved, if they have any siblings. And then on the other note, they should know a little bit about yourself also. You know, you have siblings, what was your initial career field, your family, and what you study, and things like that. So that relationship is already there. That's something that's already been established. Now, with digging deeper, what are the things that you need to do? And like you said, it's very important. I remember I used to sometimes go to the lunchroom and just sit down and talk to them, have casual conversations, and then you start building up you know, knowledge about them. So that's very important that we continue to, to build those relationships. So talk to me a little bit more about what are the things that we can do? Well, um, I like to work smart and not hard. So one of the things that I know that we have been becoming more intentional about doing is utilizing the time that we have with our students during the instructional day. So in my book, and you guys know that I'm in I'm in grad school, and it's my most favorite thing to do right now. And just like you know, most of you guys, I've been reading Breakthrough Principles, a step-by-step guide to building stronger relationships in schools, and Lever too. Um, in chapter, I don't care what this is, this is chapter four about school culture. It deals with ways to have relationships. And it's talking about how to use advisory periods to foster those relationships. And we already have built-in advisory periods. Um, that's one of the things that kind of helps us get ahead of our, not all of the student behaviors, not all the negative behaviors, but it allows teachers to have a specific group of students that they focus on throughout the school year. Now, I know one thing that we've done differently is we have adjusted when those advisory um, timeframes happen. So since we're in the third six weeks, right now when we're on advisory schedules, um, teachers are doing advisory related activities with their third period classes. So I think that's another excellent time for teachers to continue to you know, build those bridges with students. I know we have excellent lessons that our guidance counselors have developed um, and it helps us kind of facilitate those conversations where students are learning about, um, you know, things related to the season, things related to um, culture, just kind of getting them excited about having a dialogue about being fine with being different. And I think that's the one thing that, um, that we do real good here at Barry Middle School. 
we we know our strengths and we know our weaknesses and when teachers are struggling with a particular group of students that they don't necessarily know how to build relationships with they are very very good about coming to people um throughout the building about ways to build those relationships um because we all need each other yes that's very important yes and and like you mentioned we do have some built-in time i mean we have our den days and also during zero period that's big another good time to start having those conversations it and it's quick conversation we're not we're not suggesting that you sit down for 30 40 minutes and talk to one student no it's maybe three four or five minutes there's a lot of things that you could get picked up i'm reading a book from um from the from the book um from jackson and one of the things that he talks about neighborhood fridays and that could be i mean he says mentioned that could be on friday but it could be any day Mm-hmm. is in a quick activity it takes three to seven minutes to do and basically students will answer a series of questions that you would provide for them to get to know them okay for example one of the things that he puts in the books are both of your parents married divorced separated or never been married and what are your thoughts about it mm-hmm. i think that's important what are your thoughts about it that way you can start understanding where the student's coming from from his or her perspective yes. so these are are very important um conversation starters that you could have to dig in deeper and build that um start b- developing that relationship and it doesn't always have to be verbal no it could be a quick write you know it could be something very quick very you know five minutes at the beginning of the period or in zero period or doing then hey i have this question for you guys post it on uh, on the board you write it on the board and or you post it on google classroom however you want to do it and then collect have them write for three or four minutes five minutes about their thoughts and then collect that and read them read them there's a lot of things i remember when i taught writing and we talked about various subjects i mean there was a lot of things i learned about my students through their writing through what they express so it's very important that we start communicating um with our students and in page 79 of the book that we have um, provided for you, the educator um, you, they want you to be, there's a lot of questions that you could pull from. I would advise you guys to go ahead and take a look at those questions. There's like 15 questions there that you can look at to where you guys can start conversations where is it verbally with one or two students or you could have a quick write. So that's I'll brag on something that I know most teachers are already doing, um, and I, I think um, they are using, I don't really know where certain questions come from, but yes, like Mr. Peterson said, that's the book that we provided you guys with, would definitely be the would be a springboard for you guys to find some other types of questions to get to know your students on a deeper level. But something that all teachers are already doing, um, I've noticed when I go visit teachers in classrooms to just kind of check on them and and how they're doing with their students in regards to building relationships is they're using their warm-up times in more intentional ways so yes they're throwing in content questions but they're also throwing in random you know this is not related to science or it's not related to math or it's not related to social studies it's just a question um tell me about your weekend tell me something um that you look forward to doing once we're off for the the winter holiday so it doesn't have to be i know a lot of times you guys feel that we're always asking you to do a new thing but these are things that y'all are already doing these are things that you're you're doing it's just 
We're, mm -hmm. we're, we're getting to the point where we know that, okay, we're already doing this for everybody, but what about the three that I haven't reached? Or what about the three that are still not responding? Maybe that's when you reach out to the student support team and we come in and we, I don't know if, it will, if it'll necessarily need to be a full blown PLC, but we definitely have some role-in trainings planned um, for you guys to just continue to give you some additional tools to enhance what you're already doing. So please don't think this is another new thing. These are things that you are already doing. Yes. We're just making sure that as we're noticing, you know, grades and attendance, there are always going to be some students that continue to need a little bit more. Yes, in this time of COVID, definitely, we really need to pay attention. We really need to pay attention to what our students are saying. That's why I want to talk about the six essential rules of good listening. We're going to do it in a game format. Okay, I like games. Yes, like games. I'm just going to ask or read a bullet and you're going to tell me what's the first thing that comes to your mind okay. when it becomes in regarding the six essential rules of good listening. So okay. the first bullet is be silent when others are speaking. You know, I always tell people in my family, you have to be careful. You have to get out of a habit of listening to reply. You have to be able to listen to understand. Okay. What about ask good questions to get the conversation going? Um, I look at that as utilizing open-ended questions and be careful with the types of open-ended questions. You don't want to ask specific, you know, like you, you don't want to get into legal stuff, but you don't want to ask them, so what's your favorite color? That's very limited. It can be a springboard, but you also want to have different types of filler questions to keep the conversation going. Okay, interesting. What about think before responding? Well, us as adults need to start doing that as well. And I know I can be very, very guilty of wanting to have a response. Um, but just but just think about like if you are always responding to students in a sarcastic tone, or you're even responding to your coworkers and your colleagues in a sarcastic tone, how is that going to make them feel? Are they going to really think that you are genuinely interested in getting to know them on a deeper level? So you have to be mindful of it's not ever what you say, it's always how you say it. Okay. What about your thoughts about avoid outside distractions? So um, how disrespectful is it to be giving a lesson to your students and they're in their phone? As, as we as teachers, put your phone up. Well, consider that when you're having a one-on-one -on -one discussion with them. If you're really, really interested in what they have to say and you want to be able to listen beyond just giving them a generic surface level response, you have to give them your undivided attention. So I know a lot of us, like to scroll on our phones while people are talking or we you know we go to different browsers i'm guilty of doing that as well but we have to be mindful that it's it's that could be viewed as I, I don't really care about what you're saying because i'm bored so we have to be mindful that we don't need to be distracted by other things if we're having a discussion with students yes. the next bullet show you are interested through your positive body language well i mean for me my my facial expressions usually can determine how I feel. So if we are annoyed or we seem disinterested, then that will be reflected in your body language. So you'll make a face. I know we don't think that we do it, but we do it. And you can also become very standoffish by keeping your arms crossed while you're in a conversation with students. Or um, something as simple as when you cross your legs, maybe if you turn into the person, not now, it is COVID, so I'm not recommending that you do this and be beyond six feet, you know, keep your social distance, but definitely be mindful of how your body can also determine the tone, which leads us into our next little question, controlling the tone of your voice. Um, all of us are passionate about 
different things at different times. And sometimes that passion can be misconstrued as something else. So you just have to be mindful that all of those things come into play. I had this discussion with a student yesterday. He felt that he was just explaining himself to, to a teacher. And I had to help him understand how even during his you know moment of explaining, sometimes when we're very passionate about defending what we did or defending our behaviors, sometimes they can come across as yelling. And I got him to to agree, you know, to see where I was coming from. Yes. But it was after a moment of lots of respectful dialogue. I didn't just start yelling at him. I listened to him. You know, I asked reflective questions. And then as a result, he was able to be more open to what I was saying. Yes, I definitely agree with you. Those are all good bullets and good points. And, and we first have to listen. Listen to understand. We really have to get to what's the root cause and the way we get to the root cause is first by listening to what these students have to say to us and then you start your reflective questioning and, and moving forward with that conversation because that's the way you build trust with your students because if you if you start barking out at them immediately oh my God, then, going shut down mode. yeah that's going to be a shutdown mode and then they're just going to put filters and every time they you talk to them they'll just have their filters and they will not listen so that's very important that we we first listen to our students and then we move on. Another thing that um, I was looking at in the the book study that we're conducting from the book Becoming the Educator They Need, contemporary slang. Yes, sometimes we talk about slang and definitely we want them to speak proper English and or proper Spanish or whatever language they're speaking. But sometimes the way we are able to understand where students are coming from is if we understand the comp contemporary slang, what they're talking about, their, their, their verbiage throughout the day, okay? It's similar, it's similar to learning new vocabulary. You know, we want them to learn new academic vocabulary every day, but we as educators, sometimes we really need to learn their vocabulary so we could really understand where they're coming to. It's the same with ELs. I mean, if you do not know Spanish, it would be helpful to know um, some Spanish. Um, that way you could communicate a little bit better or you could just throw out phrases and they'll be able to understand. So it's very important that you stay current with contemporary slang, what they're how they're speaking so forth. That way you could really understand where they're coming from. I mean, and if it gets to it, ask students what those words mean. I mean, they're all the time asking us what words means. Um, at least that's what we want them to do. So when you hear something new that you really don't understand, why don't you try to ask them? Have that conversation with them. That's another way um, to to build relationship with them. And if necessary, you know, keep a ledger or a journal of all these new words that you're learning. Because in the education process, in, in education, we are all learning also. We're all learning. And I know... Um a lot of times students get, I mean, it's just like they struggle to understand us just as much as we struggle to understand them. So our job is to, like Mr. Peterson said, find a way to utilize their experiences to enhance what you do in your particular content area class. That's yes. it. I mean, it, I mean, and that's free. Like, just, 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 like I know right now, kids have several different slang phrases that kind of go above my head or pass me, but just being able to, if they're in the cafeteria and they're having discussions and they're using slang, I'm able to let them know, hey, I'm not trying to get in your business, but I also kind of understand what you're talking about by making a connection with, maybe they're saying, 
period. And they're, you know, doing this little hand motion that they're doing. And I'm like, basically. So it's like they're, they're, they're learning that, okay, well, I may not necessarily use the word period in a formal setting, but at least my teacher is helping me understand how to make connections between what I'm saying and what she wants me to say. Yes, that would clarify any misconceptions that we might have because we might be thinking they're making that hang signal, period, means that I'm going to get you. Yes. But it doesn't mean that. It means something different to them and their world. So it's very important. Another thing that um, I want to go over from the book is motivation. It's very important, especially now um, and, and always, it's very important to keep our students motivated. What do you think about motivation? You know, I think um, as a classroom teacher, I used to be very guilty of always relating motivation to something tangible. Like, if you do this, then you get this. If you do this, then you get this. But now that I'm out of the classroom, but I still do classroom-related things, I'm recognizing that motivation can sometimes literally just be a conversation about what you have learned about them. So like for me, I'm always having conversations with students about their grades, about their attendance, about their behaviors. So why do you know that? Well, I know that because it's my job, I care about you. So if I didn't care about you, then I wouldn't care about your grades. I wouldn't care whether or not you were successful. I wouldn't care about whether whether you were here or not. And I've noticed that just shifting the way that I have those conversations with students is more motivational than offering them a bag of chips every time that they, they do something or yes. hey here's here's pizza every time you don't get in a fight like it's literally going back to finding ways to incorporate those restorative practices to help figure out well why is it that they have not been motivated about you know doing well in school and most of the time you realize that they're not motivated because there was never an adult in their life that was an advocate for them consistently yes so don't just think about it as we have to have class competitions. Those are great. Those mm-hmm. those those are wonderful. But what is the root? What is what is the root cause? Like how did they get to where they were? Yeah, there's all kids are different, and there's there's many ways to to try to figure out and motivate them. I remember my last student, Eli, and when you mentioned that, that not everything is tangible. That's that's correct. I remember Eli. I mean, difficulties when I throughout his school career, you know. I taught sixth grade, so when he was fifth grade, he wasn't successful in star and so forth. And how to try to get to how could I get to this kid? How could I get him motivated? So one day I, I figured out I learned that he liked baseball, that he played baseball. And I'm a baseball fan. So and then his favorite baseball team was the Texas Rangers. I'm a Yankee fan. So we got into that that debate. It was just fun. Hey, you see the Yankees beat the Rangers and things like that. Oh, and we would talk baseball. We would start talking baseball and then I would ask him about his games and so forth. And he was a pitcher and he played second base, I remember. So and we, we, would, we would talk about that all the time, Every, you know, once, twice, three times a week. or so whenever I remember where or something happened regarding related to baseball. And in that way, I started noticing that he started to work harder. Yes. In trying to pass his checkpoints. Did you buy him a baseball? No, I didn't buy him didn't anything. Buy him a jersey or anything. I didn't buy him anything. It was just having a conversation about baseball. And he would come up to me, hey, I did this. I stole second base or I, I did this play and so forth. And we would talk about it. I would talk about the history of baseball and things like that. And in that way, we started building a relationship that I started noticing that he started to improve. He was always wanting to come to tutoring because he would know at the end of the tutoring, we would talk a little bit about baseball. And before you know it, we got his star results and guess what? He passed. 
And it was just having conversations, simple conversations. I didn't have to buy him anything or air anything. We just had simple conversations. And, so, and yeah. again, like Mr. Peterson said, he did this during his tutoring time. He did this during class time. So this is not anything that you guys aren't already doing. And many of you have given us a lot of different suggestions for how you are utilizing other things besides the tangible to, to reward your students. Yes. So just continue to keep those those yes, so. definitely. We we needed to you know try to figure out what their favorite music is because important. I'm going to quote Jackson here from his book: "The more you know about how your students enjoy learning best, the better able you're you'll be able to keep them engaged and motivated. And that's that's the key. Get to know your students. What motivates them? What interests them? What are the things that they do? Have those conversations, and it could be as a simple conversation that could get them motivated." Well, guess what? That's our time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. And we will meet you in the next episode of Building Bridges or the Bridge Builders. Thank you, Ms. Wadi. Thank you, Mr. Peterson.